Okay, it's seven o'clock. Let's go ahead and get started. So I'll call this meeting to order. Um, welcome everybody to the Thursday, June 17th um, formal meeting of the Iowa City Planning and Zoning Commission. Thus far for commission members in attendance, I see Hench, Signs, Martin, Elliot, and Craig. Is Mark Nolte online? Did not see him yet. And we have um, Mrs. Townsend as excused absence. So if Mark joins, we'll just see him when he joins. Okay. So um, uh, call to order is done. Roll call is done. Item number three, this is a public discussion of any item not on the agenda. If a member of the public would like to address the Iowa City Planning and Zoning Commission regarding an item that's not on tonight's agenda, now's your opportunity. Is there anybody like to address the commission? So make yourself known. And I don't see anybody. So we'll go on to the next item. The first development item or the only development item tonight is item number four, case number REZ21-0004. The applicant is LT Leon Associates Incorporated. Location is 1125 North Dodge Street. This is an application submitted for a rezoning to community commercial with a planned development overlay for approximately 7.5 acres of property. The request is to modify the conditional zoning agreement for this property to allow a drive-through for a Hy-Vee's aisle online grocery pickup service. And Ray, is this your item? Yes, it is. Uh, thank right. you, Chair. Uh, Ray Sorry, Ray, can I just want to note before you start that Mark Nolte just joined. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, yeah, thanks, Ann. Um, Ray Heitner, Neighborhood and Development Services. So um, here is an aerial view of the subject property, um, 1103 and 1125 North Dodge Street, um, outlined in the dash here. Uh, there is an existing high V store kind of on the east end of the property and on the west end um, a gas station and convenience store. Here's an overlay of the zoning. Um, the subject property is zoned um, OPD CC2, community commercial. Um, I want to make a couple notes of the surrounding zoning here. Um, there is a little kind of section of P1 public zoning right here, kind of in the Northwest that's for an existing um, radio tower in that location. And then um, to the North and West, uh, you have kind of a, a mix of RS8 and RS5 zoning, uh, but particularly RS8 kind of across the street from you know, the heart of the discussion tonight. So some background on the application, um, the, the greater site was rezoned to uh, OPD 62 back in 2013 uh, to, to make way for the present day uh, hy store. Um, in May of 2021, the city received an application to uh, revise conditions to that CZA from 2013 um, to um, update the OPD plan uh, reflecting the proposed change to allow the 
uh, somewhat permanent aisles online grocery pickup kiosk and drive through lanes. Um, and wanted to make a note that uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more later on as well. But um, so this is sort of the, the first step of, I guess you could call it the greater project review process. Um, one of the subsequent steps is that because uh, it's a drive-through being proposed in a CC2 zone, um, there is a special exception requirement for that drive-through facility um, from the Board of Adjustment. I'm just gonna show you some pictures of kind of the, the current uh, property here. Uh, this is looking northward, kind of on the north side of the parking lot. And um, you can see right now, there's sort of a, a temporary Isles Online um, facility here, kind of this modular building at the north end of the parking lot. And here's another view, again, just kind of looking to the north. You'll notice um, you know, the groceries, I think, are more or less uh, collected together in this location and then distributed to um, these parking spaces that have kind of the red signs for people to pick up their groceries. Uh, here's a view kind of looking to the south. Um, so this would be sort of coming in from the entrance from St. Clement's Street. Uh, you can see that there's an existing you know, two-way lane here. Um, and there are a couple of parking spaces that appear to have been blocked off here, um, probably to prevent any kind of uh, potential conflicts with the, the uh, pickup location. Here's uh, a, look, a view looking northward. Again, this is um, just north of kind of the, the existing modular facility. And this is a look at the uh, current landscape screen um, to St. Clement and the properties on the, uh, the other side of St. Clement over here in, in the RSA. Um, right now there's uh, four kind of overstory trees in, in, in this buffer area and um, I believe the count was about 22 shrubs in this location. Here's just another view looking north down the sidewalk line. And this is just another view uh, looking north from the parking lot. Um, pretty similar to one of the other views we had. And another view looking south, again, just a clear look at that kind of two-way traffic setup. So um, this is an OPD rezoning because it is an amendment to that CZA from 2013. Um, uh, the OPD originally uh, was required in 2013 because of uh, impact to critical slopes, greater more than 35% of critical slopes at the time. So uh, that's the, the rationale for the OPD. Um, and as most of you are familiar with, with these kind of OPD rezonings, there is some uh, sort of additional criteria that we have to review. Um, I'll go through each of those right now. And then that's in addition to kind of the, the standard rezoning review criteria that we they, we always look at with rezonings uh, with respect to consistency with the comprehensive plan and compatibility with the existing neighborhood. 
So the first of those kind of additional OPD criteria um, that the density and design uh, is compatible with adjacent development. Um, there is no density to speak of uh, as far as residential density goes uh, as a commercial project, but um, you know, I, the big focus, uh, not just with this um, component of review, but also with kind of site plan and design review later on is just, uh, you know, how these proposed structures will fit in uh, with the surrounding neighborhood. So um, in terms of scale of the proposed buildings, uh, kiosk building will be about 1150 square feet. Uh, canopy will be a little bit taller than 16 feet. Um, both of which, if you were to uh, size those up against the gas station and convenience store to the west, are, are significantly smaller than those facilities. Um, and um, as I mentioned earlier, the kiosk building and canopy will be subject to city's design review process. And that's a result of an existing condition within the CZA that staff is recommending to keep. Uh, second point of criteria that development will not overburden existing streets and utilities. Um, the kiosk facility will only require um, electrical facilities to the building. Um, there will be an additional pedestrian sidewalk uh, connecting kiosk um, to the existing sidewalk to the north. Um, and you know, while you could maybe argue that uh, there might be some increased traffic intensity in this specific area with the kiosk. Um, it's not expected that the kiosk will generate um, a lot of trips or maybe even any trips above and beyond um, you know, what the grocery store site currently sees. Um, you know, it's thought that the kiosk and drive-through facility would um, really just be kind of a substitute for pre-existing trips to the greater site. Uh, third point of review criteria, development will not adversely affect views, property values, uh, privacy. Um, so there will be some additional screening um, that is in the, the OPD plan, landscape plan, um, screening the kiosk um, from the north. Um, that'll be about doubling the amount of S3 kind of shrub screening to the north. A um, couple other factors to consider. The uh, Isles Online facility does have um, certain hours under which it'll operate. Um, the applicant statement said more or less that will typically be between about 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. Um, there might be some variability with those hours, but um, more or less you're, you're probably looking at you know what, what we, you would consider maybe uh, customary working hours or maybe construction hours. So, um, and then the last point I wanted to touch on here, and, and this was expanded upon a little bit within the staff report, but um, there are a couple of points when staff was reviewing the OPD plan, we noticed there are a couple of areas uh, just to the north of the property where um, the existing lighting is not compliant um, in terms of the foot candle um, usage. Um, so we made a note in staff report and we'll note again here that um, 
when this project does go through site plan review, um, staff will be requiring a compliant lighting plan that meets the uh, allowable threshold for light that can be uh, emitted offsite. Fourth point of uh, OPD criteria, land use and building types uh, will be in the public interest. Um, the comprehensive plan future land use map does show uh, the site is being appropriate for general commercial uses, uh, which would be fitting of um, not just the primary use, the high V, but also this additional uh, kiosk and drive-through use. Um, it's noted in the applicant's statement, and um, I'm sure anecdotally, most of us that get groceries in, in the area could probably uh, support this claim that online orders have increased dramatically uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and, and thereby, you know, there, there is kind of a need um, to help facilitate development of, of these facilities, uh, but in a manner that, um, you know, is, is in the city's best interests and is as uh, least impactful as possible and kind of surrounding properties. So um, kind of transitioning to the standard rezoning review criteria in terms of consistency with comp plan, um, you know, when, when the greater site was sort of analyzed in 2013 for uh, the rezoning to OPD CC2, um, it was done so in a way that would uh, try to respect the direction from the North uh, East District plan that would uh, that called for sort of a main street style development in this area, particularly uh, with the Dodge Street frontage. Um, so that's one reason why you see sort of a, a shallower setback um, from the side of the grocery store building to Dodge Street. Um, you know, with the use at the time uh, to the west being the gas station convenience store, uh, there was kind of conditions put into uh, make sure there was S3 screening in a, in a sort of considerable 35 foot buffer on the west side of the property. And then an additional condition that sort of had some limitations on what signage could be uh, placed within the west side, 35 foot buffer, and then also on the north side. Um, and so um, there are some similar steps uh, that the applicant has taken um, to Lessen any negative impact uh, for residents to the, the north with this proposed facility. Uh, I already mentioned kind of the upscape, updated landscaping probably being, um, you know, the, the biggest contributor to that. Um, the actual drive-through lanes will be about 85 feet or so from the properties to the, to the north, um, which is a fairly considerable distance in staff's view. And then also, um, just sort of from a design review perspective, and this this will be analyzed a bit more at design review, but um, kind of the combination of materials on the kiosk building uh, would be appropriate as well. And here's just an image, an image um, looking north at the southern end of the property. Um, and you can just see that shallow setback with the existing a high V building, as well as our notice for rezoning. Um, 
maybe you can see the font here. Uh, I apologize if you can't, but um, this is basically just a sketch up um, on an aerial that shows where that 35 foot buffer on the west side of the property exists. In terms of compatibility with the existing um, neighborhood character, you know, I already mentioned to the west and north, there is sort of that mixture of single family and multifamily residential. Um, again, the updated landscaping to the north is, is probably the biggest um, method to provide a, a sensible transition to the north. Um, but there's also probably an argument too that the, the kiosk itself will act a little bit as a a visual and noise barrier to the, uh, the three lanes of files online traffic. So uh, this is a just kind of a zoomed out view of the proposed landscaping plan. Uh, it's, it's hard to see real detail here. And I apologize, the image is a little bit blurry, but um, basically within here is where you're gonna see um, more or less a doubling of kind of the shrubs that are already in this location. Um, there will be efforts to preserve the existing uh, four red oak trees that are in this location as well. Here's a view of uh, the kiosk building with canopy, um, just to kind of give you a visual of uh, the three lanes of traffic, how they'll feed in. This would be looking north. Um, canopy overhead here just uh, for one row of parking and then um, kiosk building there. And then here's just another view of some of the proposed schematics of the kiosk uh, and canopy. So I, I mentioned that uh, the greater project itself sort of has uh, several steps. You know, there's this uh, OPD rezoning step that you know, is currently being discussed here tonight at Planning and Zoning Commission and then upon recommendation to uh, City Council. Um, City Council would have a public hearing um, being that this is a uh, rezoning. Um, there's also that requirement for the special exception for the drive-through lanes um, to the Board of Adjustment that will be uh, analyzed to kind of our drive-through lane criteria within the code. Um, as well as uh, design review for the kiosk building and canopy, uh, satisfying an existing condition and a condition that we're recommending carryover for. Um, and then there's also a site plan review component um, as there is with commercial uh, developments. So um, with that, staff is uh, recommending approval of the rezoning um, subject to uh, five conditions. Um, first, that, uh, that buffer, uh, that 35 foot buffer on the west side of the property is maintained with the uh, S3 screening standard. Uh, this is same as a condition in, in the previous or the existing CZA, however you want to term it. Um, second, that uh, there would be no signs permitted within that 35 foot buffer or on the north side of the convenience store facing residential development um, with a few exceptions, one being a monument sign at the intersection of Dodge Street and Prairie du Chien Road. Um, 
and no more than two freestanding signs permitted along the Dodge Street frontage uh, with some allowance for fascia or monument signs that might be permitted by code. Uh, again, that's a carryover condition. Um, three, that uh, any building or structure, including canopies, as is the case here, uh, would be of a quality design appropriate for budding residential neighborhood. Um, and the design of those buildings and associated structures would be approved by the design review committee prior to issuing a building permit. Again, that's a carryover condition. For um, that existing evergreen screening and mature trees will be preserved uh, along the northwest side of the property wherever possible. Another carryover condition. And then lastly, um, just sort of an amendment to an existing condition on this front that development and landscaping will be generally consistent uh, with the attached plan. Um, in this case, the plan dated from June 8th of 2021. So just reflecting updating this condition to reflect the updated plan. Uh, and that concludes my presentation. All right, thank you, Ray. Um, now's the opportunity for members of the commission to ask questions of staff if they have them before we go into the hearing port, public hearing portion. Um, Ray, could you just define for me, I, I've asked, I ask this all the time and I just never remember, the definition or the standard for S3 screening? Yeah, sure. So um, S3 screening is um, kind of one of our higher screening standards. Um, it's, it's intended to you know, pr provide a suitable degree of screening between kind of commercial projects like this and uh, residential properties. Um, so the, the, the intent of the S3 screen is, you know, to, to provide a bit more coverage than you might have from, you know, one of our lower screening um, applications. So uh, ultimately what you would have in an S3 screen would be uh, kind of a, a dense row or possibly rows of shrubbery uh, with a mature height of five to six feet. Um, so uh, at maturity, you're looking at, at a fairly dense screening um, that uh, would, would, you know, be, be an attractive sort of application um, between most residential uses and commercial uses. Thank you very much. Any other member of a the commission have a question for staff on this application? Yeah, Ray. Um, so in, a, in this particular instance, which is fairly unique, does the applicant have to prove a need to the city before you, as you are talking about this, um, and you have to do you look at you know the the fact that there's already a drive-through there. Do you kind of tell me what you take into consideration, or do you? Do they just present the application and you bring it to us? I don't. I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Um, so when we uh, draft the CZA for the rezoning, you know, there, we always have to um, address how the rezoning uh, creates a public need or, um, you know, how the, how the rezoning uh, responds to public needs. So, um, you know, I think in this instance, um, 
I, I would argue probably one of the biggest public needs is that there's just a sort of demand-driven need for um, this kind of facility. Um, I, I would say uh, springing off that, you know, I think there is a need for the additional enhanced screening as a result of the uh, facility. You know, I think, um, and then I, I think the existing conditions have, uh, you know, needs that have already sort of been articulated that we'll rearticulate within this CZA in terms of uh, making that adequate transition from a commercial use to the residential uses to the north and west. Um, okay, yes, that I don't know that that question that answer really answered my question. But is this a public need or a business need? You know, I don't. Sorry, I don't shop at Heidi very often, but. In the mm -hmm. photos that you took, there were lots of empty parking spaces in those aisles. I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around three lanes seems like a lot for drive-through groceries in a, in a town our size, but who knows? Maybe that is what really needs to happen. I'm just trying to understand as you talk about a public need, is that serving the public or is that just what a business wants? When you're, you just said that if we did this, then the city could have make them do more screening, make more, do more things. Is that kind of end goal here? I guess I just, I'm a little perplexed. Yeah, sure. No, it's a good question. Um, so I think in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the volume that's needed or the demand that's needed um, for the facility, um, you know, we don't have a ton of data to go off that as planning staff, right? So um, that might be something that the applicant or the representative from Hy-Vee can sort of address, right? Like what that need is. Um, you know, I think uh, given the proposal at hand, you know, there, there would be public needs in terms of just how that use is incorporated into the pre-existing um, commercial site and then how we um, best incorporate that use in a manner that uh, provides a sensible transition to pre-existing sort of residential uses. And so that's where um, you get your needs for, um, you know, enhanced landscaping for uh, buffers that may be discussed and, and so on. I don't know if that helped answer your question or still confusing. No, but I have lots more questions for the applicant, so I'll just keep listening. And if I could just add to what Ray said, this is Anne. Um, <clears throat> when we were re reviewing this rezoning, we were reviewing it based on the, the OPD rezoning criteria. That is our responsibility. Does it meet those four criteria related to um, density and infrastructure and that type of thing. And then also consistency with the comprehensive plan and consistency and compatibility with the existing neighborhood. When we get into the specifics of the drive-through in terms of stacking spaces and um, driveways and that type of thing, there are specific criteria that need to be looked at 
as part of the special exception process. And that information has not been provided to staff at this time yet because they are not there yet. This is, this is just the rezoning. I have right. a question. Um, first is to affirm what I believe is the truth, which is that um, to get the drive-through designation, they need to do this, but they could, I mean, what they have now is entirely legal and they could continue to do that. So they're just trying to make what they have, the service that they have now more efficient, I would guess, right? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that keeps them from doing what they're doing now, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't believe so. Um, okay. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure it's to, to gain some efficiency on, on the company's part, yeah. Um, could you go back to your slides and the, I, it's either the last one or the second to the last one where you, where you say looking north, well. I'm getting there, hold on, <laughs> sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I'm still learning to read the plans, you know, when they, when they give you the spec sheets and things. And I finally figured out that if it's cross hatched, it means things are being deleted. Is that correct? Not? Not, uh, not always. Um, so, you know, a cross hatching could mean that, um, you know, it's, it's just an area that will be, okay. Um, not if, open to vehicular traffic or pedestrian traffic, maybe per se. So, uh, yeah, the, the symbology is sort of um, dependent on, on the plan you're looking at in, in most cases. Okay. Is there one looking south? Yes. Uh, let's see. Oops. Yes, okay, that's the one. Oops. Oh, shoot, sorry about this. <laughs> all right, that's all right. <laughs> when I'm in the meeting, I can't look at my own computer. There we go. Uh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yes, that one. So. From the plans, as I, I as I am interpreting them, all that that unit where you store the carts that goes away, and in fact that island down there goes away, and the drive-through lanes are here. What I don't understand then is the the very last slide you show where you show four vehicles three of them are in the drive up lanes and one of them is not and yet they're all facing the same way and it seems like that one that's not in a drive up lane should be going the other way am i wrong um yeah so these three lanes would all be going southbound uh, correct and then I believe there's angled parking shown here on the plan. So, I mean, I think this is sort of just a schematic 
Um, okay. So I, it, it's not necessary. This isn't something that's. I got very confused when I saw this slide and I had to go back and try and figure out yeah. in the plans how to figure out how that fourth car is going the same way as the other three. Sure. Um, but I guess that's something they can figure out. And the other question, I meant to drive up there today. I didn't get it done. There is a drive up for the pharmacy, right? Or is there not? Yes, there is a drive up for the pharmacy. And and that has to, because the driver has to be on the other side. So so the the traffic going to the pharmacy is going to be going the other way. The because the driver has to be, Yeah. Uh, the driver has to be close to the building, so they have to be on the inside. The, the <laughs> pharmacy, though, is actually configured a little bit differently than that. Yeah. You go under the, if I can just write on this, Ray. Sure. This is, I think, the pharmacy pickup here. And the where you put your, where you get the prescriptions is actually right there. So you're actually, you enter it this way. Sorry, you can't see that, but you enter it headed north and the driver driver on the left side is um, is not against the building. It's against this little island there. I Does see. that make sense? Yes, it makes it makes sense. Thank they, you. That makes way those, more sense. They use I thought they would, that the traffic would be going opposite ways and it would be confusing. But now I understand. Thank you. That's all I had. It's like the the high V drugstore at First and uh, Rochester. Yeah, the pharmacy pickup lane there. They they use pneumatic tubes like a bank tell by bank. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Or like I mean Walgreens where I go has that second lane that's a pneumatic tube. So this that's the only way you work it here. I understand that. Thank you. While we're while you're in this neighborhood. Um, uh, Ray, can you go back? Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I need to go back to the slides. Those those cargo containers. Uh, so I think this kind of picks up maybe on um, one of the questions that was asked earlier to clarify. Um, the cargo containers that are there now, which I think are present at all the Hy-Vees in, in the market right now, and that's what they're using for their for their on, IELTS online pickup. Um, it, so is there any code? about those being there and the, did they have to get permission to put them there? Are they, is, is it a limited term that they can leave them there? I mean, I guess I do see the proposal for a nice facility to be an improvement over that, but I just wonder what is the, what's the basis here? Yeah, and do you know if they had to receive a temporary permit for those facilities at all? I don't believe any permits were pulled for those. Yeah. And, um, I think they're meant to be temporary for all of the high V's. We have special exception applications. I think all of the high V's require a special exception for the drive-through. So um, they're they're working to get these properly permitted through the process they're going through now. And so while I'm while I'm here, um, parking spaces. It, it, as I it seems to me as I casually, I don't get up there a whole lot, but it seems like every time I am up there, the parking lot is fairly full. Um, and we're removing, I don't know how many spaces are being removed. Um, 
is there any requirement that the remaining spaces still meet the original parking space requirement? Because um, from from my experience, most commercial pro most commercial projects put in the absolute minimum allowed parking spaces uh, that they have to have. And so, assuming that was the case here, and we take out fifteen or twenty of them. Um, they don't have the minimum amount anymore. Is there any is there any consideration that we need to be given to that? Yeah, so I can't um, I can't I can't speak anecdotally to you know how crowded the parking lot gets because I don't, I don't right. too often. But um, the the facility is currently overparked by quite a bit um, in terms of what our code requires. So. Um, Right now there's 247 parking spaces. Um, and with this facility that would be reduced down to 215. So you'd be looking at removing about 32 spaces, but um, the requirement um, right now is only 189 spaces. So um, it would still meet the required number of parking, um, you know, uh, what effects that that might have on how crowded it gets, uh, you know, peak times of the day, uh, you know, sort of to be determined. And, um, you know, I'm sure right. Ivy will sort of monitor that yeah. going along. But, um, but yeah, they, they do, even with this uh, plan improvement, they would meet our, our baseline for parking requirement. Okay. That's a good answer to my question. Thank you. Sure. Any further questions from commissioners or staff? I have a question on page three of the staff report. About halfway down, it says the applicant has chosen not to utilize the city's good neighbor policy for this rezoning. Can you, how, what does that mean um, in terms of community input or neighborhood input? Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, we encourage applicants to uh, utilize the good neighbor process that we have set up um, with you know every application that comes to this commission. Um, the uh, applicant just for this case um, has not using has not using has not used <laughs> the uh, good neighbor meeting uh, process, and so we just wanted to make a note of that. Um, you know, in terms of what that means for outreach, uh, of course, that good neighbor process is a really good tool to facilitate that outreach. Um, I, I, I can't say uh, what maybe High V has done, um, you know, or sort of at the, at, the, at the store level to maybe communicate this proposed change. I'm not sure. But um, one thing I will say is, um, We've had our signage on this property for several weeks um, now, um, and we've uh, we sent out our, our notification letters on this uh, rezoning about three weeks ago. Um, and while I, I don't know if that's a perfect substitute for good neighbor meeting, I will say that um, we haven't received a whole lot of public comment or feedback on this particular rezoning. Um, We've received a few phone calls, uh, mostly just curious about what the nature of the rezoning is, but not really any comment, sort of more or less for or against the rezoning. So um, take that for whatever that's worth, but um, 
yeah, I, uh, again, in the staff order, we just wanted to make note that the good neighbor uh, meeting process was not being utilized for this application. Any more, any other questions? And if not, we'll go ahead and hold, open the public hearing. So if the applicant or the applicant's representative would make themselves know, known, and now's your opportunity to speak on your application. Good evening, uh, council, or sorry, excuse me, <laughs> commission. Uh, my name is John Brown. I'm director of site planning with IV uh, 5820 West Town Parkway. That's in West Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I, I think uh, a little background on how we got to uh, this application would help with a lot of the questions I've been hearing. Um, prior to 2020, uh, we were uh, taking baby steps uh, towards figuring out e-commerce. Uh, that's uh, you know creating an app and allowing our customers to order their groceries online, and then we pick, we shop for them, and then deliver them to them in their vehicle. Uh, we were seeing, you know, at our busiest stores, maybe 50 or 60 orders in a day. And we could easily take care of that with a few parking stalls out in front of the store <clears throat> and just having our employees run uh, totes of the, of the ordered groceries out to those vehicles. Um, and, it, and we handled it fine that way. Um, and we expected that, that growth originally to be a slower growth, frankly. Uh, and then uh, COVID came along and uh, changed everybody's plans, uh, and especially ours. Uh, so what we saw right away was uh, as soon as the lockdown orders came and uh, the severity of the pandemic became evident, uh, we, we saw a huge spike in that e-commerce e uh, orders. So uh, we went from you know those 50 or 60 orders a day to 900 to 1,000 orders in a day. So huge order of magnitude. Um, and that stayed steady all through the pandemic um, so that most of our stores, this one included, um, we're seeing about uh, seven to 10% of the, our total sales were just e-commerce orders. So people ordering the groceries and picking them up instead of actually wanting to park in the lot and come into the store and shop. Uh, from, we're, we're taking a little bit of a risk here by uh, spending as much money as we are and building this facility out. But from all the research that we see in the industry, uh, this is a trend that's not gonna go away. Uh, we anticipate that uh, e-commerce orders and online grocery shopping, um, since everybody's been exposed to it now and has discovered it's convenient. Um, and as uh, our application gets better and our shopping gets better and the ability to provide good service gets better, uh, we anticipate, and the industry anticipates, that uh, up to 30% of the volume the store does could be, of all our grocery stores do, could be e-commerce orders. And so we needed to find um, a way really quickly during the pandemic in order to get, uh, I'm backing up a little bit here, but during the, when the pandemic hit, we had to figure out a way really quick to get pallets and pallets of these uh, grocery orders out of the front of our building and keep customers from stacking up along the front of our building um, to pick up their orders and keep them from spilling out onto Dodge Street and blocking up traffic. Um, that's where the container came in. Um, frankly, we knew that we were probably weren't going to get uh, approval to just put those in in any community. Um, so um, not the 
not the best neighborly move, but we 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 made one of those uh, executive decisions uh, for uh, the sake of our customers and for the sake of the community and for the sake of our stores um, to put the containers in the parking lot um, without asking for permission. We did get. Uh, they had to be hooked up to electricity. So we did get electrical permits for them to make sure that they were safe uh, to operate that way. <clears throat> um, what we're doing now is trying to rectify that situation. We know this, we know that the, the need is there uh, and we're gonna have to continue providing it. Uh, we need to make this legal. We need to make it work correctly. And we need to get rid of the containers. Frankly, they're not the prettiest looking things. Um, and so uh, this, is, this is the concept that we've, uh, developed uh, over the last year and a half now. Uh, we have four that are built, finally. Um, customers love them. Uh, it handles the rush hour traffic, which is 4 to 6 p.m. when people people typically place their orders in the morning and then pick their order up on their way home from work so they don't have to deal with the grocery store at all. Um, so that, that's the rush hour. Um, in this scenario, we have three lanes. Our, I, I think there was a comment about the, the section that shows four cars. Our typical layout is, is four lanes. And so I think you got a, a kind of a hacked up rendering to show three lanes, a three lane canopy with the fourth car still sitting there. So I apologize for the confusion on that. Um, so this is three lanes. It can hold 27 vehicles. Uh, the orders are picked inside the grocery store Depending on their temperature, they're packed into insulated totes and uh, packed with dry ice or frozen water bottles, depending on what temperature they need to be kept at. Um, the totes are then stored in refrigerated space or cooled space. And then an hour before a customer is expected to arrive and pick up their order, these are brought out um, on a large, uh, we have a racking system with the electric trolley that drags the, this racking system about 40 totes. Um, out to the out to this facility, and then from there, uh, our employees are really close to the customer and can and can uh, get those groceries into the customer's trunk right away. Uh, another thing uh, we ran into during COVID was um, uh, vaccinations uh, with our pharmacies. Um, <clears throat> we had to put another set of containers in a lot of our sites. Um, in order to provide for drive-up vaccinations. Uh, it's likely that we're gonna see the need for booster shots and seasonal flu shots are probably gonna be in more demand in the future. Uh, so we've created a space at the front of this kiosk where our pharmacy team can roll out um, some of their cabinets and things uh, seasonally and we can use the first lane uh, to provide COVID booster shots uh, if that becomes a reality for all of us. Um, so that, that that's something that's come up recently, um, uh, even after we uh, applied here. Uh, the materials we're using on this uh, building uh, will match the existing store really well. Um, the inside of the building is pretty Spartan. It's a trod finished concrete floor. Um, it's just uh, plywood walls. It looks like a Northwoods cabin inside. It's got lighting. It's got uh, two small HVAC units to keep the space comfortable. Uh, there's a door in the back facing the store. That's a standard vendor door, <clears throat> has a leaf in it. Uh, that's where product is brought in. And then the, the, the door where the 
employees interact with customers is uh, a glass slider under the canopy. Um, I think I've probably talked long enough and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Any questions for John from members of the commission? Yes. Um, okay, so you've answered a question that I hadn't even gotten to ask yet. I, because my curiosity is the intended use, you know, is it in perpetuity? And I understand that you're talking about um, the pandemic, which hopefully is nearing an end soon. So, and I understand during the pandemic, your numbers were enormous. What if numbers of your, of the aisles online decline drastically? What happens with this space? You know, what if you go, what if you max 300 instead of, you, know, you said you started with 90, then went to a thousand. What if that does not sustain? What happens to that space? Four lanes is even, that seems to me, and I am not in the grocery business, that seems I'll like a lot. So I just am curious to know what happens with this space if you don't need it? And how does that serve the public? How does, how does that meet a public need? That's a fair question. Um... It's, it's really a risk-based analysis and a risk that we've taken. Um, frankly, if we're, if we're not in the e-commerce business and we're not meeting our customers' expectations, um, this little kiosk building is really the least of our problems. We'll be worried about keeping the lights on in the grocery store. Um, and you'll have an empty box there. <clears throat> um, if this doesn't work out for some reason and we need the parking stalls back, obviously we're gonna have to spend the money and restore the site back to the way it was because um, we will need the parking stalls if everything reverts back that way. Um, but we don't, we're investing a, an awful lot of money in uh, basically 118 locations doing the same exact same thing um, in the anticipation that we are going to have to be successful in this space in order to remain viable uh, as a grocery store. So you're hoping that Building this, taking away those parking spots, those parking spots wouldn't be needed anyway. You're correct. In my understanding, you're sort of hoping for less human. Uh, yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not hoping. Okay. Uh, if ten percent um, of the volume is gone, then that's ten percent of the parking stalls you don't actually need anymore because people aren't parking and shopping; they're picking the groceries up instead. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't have ac actual data to support that yet, but anecdotally, we're, we are seeing that. Uh, can, can you clarify the, sorry, Phoebe, the questions yeah. that you're asking about like public need, their use doesn't have to serve a public need. The public need comes in when we are imposing conditions on Hy-Vee. Um, and that's my from their their application. So I just want to make sure that yeah, you know, kind of that is my understanding. Things. Ray brought it up a couple of times, so I thought, oh, okay, let me shift my thinking then. So apologies if I didn't quite understand that. Just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you have more questions about kind of that distinction, 
let me know. But um, yeah, the public need analysis is about the conditions that we impose, that the city imposes on IB. Perfect. Thank you. Um, one last question for John is, um, can you, and maybe it's, maybe the answer is zero, but how much more concrete is being added for this on zero. your site? I couldn't, zero. I couldn't quite tell. Okay. Uh, there, sh there, should, there should be zero. That's what I yeah. yeah. In any additional questions for John from members of the commission? Um, <clears throat> I noticed there in, in the demolition plan, it appeared there's a note saying that pretty much all those shrubs and trees along St. Clement Street are being torn out. And then later on in the landscaping plan, it shows a whole bunch of new ones being put back in. Um, and, you know, and so I have, I, I question um, the, the tear out part. Um, I, in, having seen it so closer and seeing that there's a probably about an eight foot buffer of sod between those shrubs and where any construction is going to happen. Um, I guess I'm questioning the need to tear off the shrubs in the first place. I'm, I'm guessing our engineer is uh, being a little bit conservative and just assuming that those shrubs are probably going to get damaged during the construction process. And so we're just being honest with ourselves and making sure that, that that's in the budget to replace all that. And if we can save them, we'll save them. Um, and, and it's just a lot of construction projects do that. And, and I hate to see it just personally. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other comment I would have, and, and I guess ask if you have thoughts or if you've addressed this um, in, your, in your process. I know with, with some of these temporary uh, locations and things that have been going on the last year, and I totally understand the need. I am not, I'm not saying that, but um, a lot of times towards the end of the day, we end up with a whole bunch of piles of empty totes sitting around on the outside of the containers. Um, and you've got that large area uh, hatched off where there's not gonna be parking at, that, at the delivery end of, of the unit. And I'm wondering if, if, some, if some fencing or some other type of screening uh, to provide an area for that kind of uh, activity that take place and yet not be just a bunch of stacks of totes sitting out in the middle of the parking lot. Any sure. thoughts on that? Yeah, we, we've heard that question before. And uh, I personally don't like it that our stores are stacking totes outside of those shipping containers <clears throat> when they're done with them. I think a lot of that is the function of the, the shipping container itself. It's just inconvenient to put the totes back in and then drag them back to the store. Uh, the intent here is for the totes, the empty totes to go back in the kiosk and they can be loaded back on those racks and taken back to the store to be washed instead of stacking them outside. Um, and the other reason for that clear space is uh, we'd like to be able to keep that as parking, but obviously that's not realistic because you'll have a line of vehicles blocking them in at all times. So we've chevroned out. Okay, thank you. Any additional questions? Uh, hearing none, thank you, John. It, John, is there anybody else uh, with the applicant uh, that would like to speak on your behalf? 
Uh, I have uh, Louis Leon. He's our engineer. He's he's available to answer uh, any technical questions you might have about the project as well. Are there any technical questions for members of the commission for the engineer? Doesn't appear to be. Thank you, John. Is there a member? This is a public hearing. Are there any members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Second call for any member of the public that would like to speak to the commission regarding this application. Hearing none, we'll go ahead and close the public hearing. I'd entertain a, entertain a motion on this item. I move approval. Second. Motion by signs. The second was by? Craig. Craig, thank you, Susan. Uh, discussion. Um, I'll start off. Um, uh, I'm spending a lot of time in thinking lately about um, improving community resiliency for future pandemics or for future similar type events. And I find that this rezoning would, and this construction subsequent to the rezoning, would be part of that whole community-wide uh, building resilience. And so I, I, I like this. I like that they're doing this because yeah, I think the demand has been created and I think we're getting ready so that when something happens like this in the future, we have the ability to respond nimbly uh, to future events. So I think this is just the shape of things to come in many areas of our lives. Uh, lessons learned from the pandemic. I think, I think you're right, Michael, and, and that this is the future and to think that once people have, you know, reaped the benefit of that convenience, I myself like to pick out my own bananas, but I know <laughs> there are other people that don't care what color their bananas are. And, you know, I'd rather they got their peanut butter and cereal from a local store than from Amazon. So I, I'm supportive because those what's there is really ugly. And I, I just think in general, I, I totally agree. It's not all going away. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in our, in the real estate industry, you know, we, the, the pandemic forced us to start uh, doing video tours and video this and video that. And, and now, now the consumer expects it. Um, and I, and I would agree that, you know, maybe it's not going to go up, you know, thousands of percentages, but it's not going away either. And so I think I like, like you, I'd much rather have this than a bunch of temporary cargoes in the in the parking lot. And I get I get why they're there. I get the, it was a you know yeah. But this is a good to me. This is the the appropriate next step is to figure out a more permanent solution uh, to that. I did also just um, I guess Phoebe had commented about the lanes and the number of cars there. And I and I guess I know you know some of these stores I've I've got picked up a couple times at the waterfront high V. They've got like. 30 parking spaces on the side dedicated to the drive up and people are in and out of those constantly. And so I, you know, I do think, especially during rush hour, you're going to have a lot of cars. The, the reality is, as I understand it, and John can, can correct me, you know, basically it's a waiting line. The activity is all happening at that under the canopy at the far end. Uh, the rest of the space is just a place for people to go. So they're not sitting out on the, on the highway. 
um, or on the on the on the public street, and that that would be my interpretation of it. And I think that's based on the traffic I've seen, you know, myself. Yeah, there, there's a lot of cars come through there in, in the evening time, especially. Any additional discussion by members of the commission? Hearing none. Uh, Sorry, Mike, did you say roll call? Please. Signs? Yes. Townsend is absent. Craig? Yes. Elliot? Yes. Hench? Yes. Martin? Yes. Nolte? Yep. So the uh, motion was approved 6-0 with um, Townsend absent. Next item on the agenda. Um, let me flip to the right page. Item number five, discussion on returning to in-person meetings. Anne. Yes, um, I just wanted to give the commission an opportunity to discuss this together as a group. Um, there has been no decision made one way or the other for commissions at this point um, in terms of going back to in-person meetings. City Council is going back to in-person meetings next month um, at their first meeting in July. Um, so I think I, it's really just an opportunity for the commission to discuss how they would like to move forward. So council's going back after July 1, is that correct? That's correct. And the Board of Supervisors is back fully to public meetings. Um, I personally, as a person who's been to work every day throughout the pandemic, um, really wanted to start seeing more people. And I miss in-person meetings, so I support this uh, starting in July. I think that if we're going to continue to have all of our groceries delivered, we should continue Zooming. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so, yeah, if we're going to embrace the pandemic life, let's just stay on Zoom. Well, and, you know, what, what we're doing at, at our office, and I think most of our offices, um, is a hybrid model, actually. Um, you know, I personally have no problem coming back to a live meeting, and I and I would welcome it. Quite frankly, I I, I agree. I'm just kind of anxious to get to see y'all in person. Um, but there may be there may be members of the public who aren't comfortable with that, and who who maybe um, need an alternative. I know it it just makes it a lot more work for everybody, probably. But um, I just throw that out there that. You know, so my weekly meetings, I continue to broadcast them, you know, on Zoom, and I have lots of my agents in the office. Uh, so just a thought. I, I think going hybrid is definitely more work for people. Uh, we do hybrid at Blank and McCune as well, but you do bring up a very good point. Until my kids were fully vaccinated, which actually they are fully vaccinated as of sat this coming Saturday, but they're, that's because my kids are 12 and older you know, with all the littles until I, my thought is we definitely would need to, if we are going to do in person or we would need to have a hybrid option because I do think that that will also allow for more public input and make sure that people are comfortable because if someone is, you know, going through cancer or has a, you know, taking some of those medications that the vaccine cannot protect them 
that puts them at added risk. You know, people with kids younger than 12 who still aren't vaccinated, it puts going home to their families still further at risk. So I, if, if that was, if that was the consensus, I would say at least it needs to be is my opinion. But is I like that bark a vote for uh, Zoom or not? Just <laughs> offer that I like the opportunity. I mean, I, tonight I had carpooled, I picked up kids from uh, baseball and you know, it's, I like the flexibility of the Zoom. So if we do stay hybrid, but I'm, I'm fine either way. In the past, couldn't people participate telephonically if they chose to? I mean, I feel like all city boards and commissions offered that. And I, I recollect times when there were city council members on the telephone, which that I think- list, That is listed on the front page as an option, the phone number is right. there. I mean, it's just probably easier, not as much work for staff. How many so someone who, who I mean, I would ask them their opinion about that, but I would guess that that's much easier and, and that to try and do Zoom at the same time you're doing live is probably a fair amount of work. I don't know. I would bow to what the staff says about that. Mm -hmm. how, how many people can be on the phone at one time? Multiple people, I think. Yeah. And yeah, for, for Zoom meetings, it can be multiple people, but I think pre-pandemic, if, you know, there's been maybe a couple instances where a commissioner couldn't attend in person, I don't even know if it was a commission meeting. We did, Yeah, they phoned in. I know yeah, they've we, done it for council, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, we've done I phoned in one time. But I think that we could only have, if I recall, Carolyn Dyer, Dwyer and I had to, phone in at the same time and that was really problematic if, and this was years ago of course yeah so I don't know but and at least on zoom then you know exactly who's you know you have a list of the humans names oftentimes well at least us our faces but yeah um the, there is one thing um the loosening of the electronic regulations for public meetings was allowed by the governor's emergency proclamation. My understanding that's going to expire uh, June 26. Oh. So I don't know. Some of these options will still be available for governmental public meetings. I oh. mean, our, our, our counselor will have to uh, weigh in on that. But, um, you know, there's always been an option for some electronic uh, meeting um, uses but it was really loosened up by the governor's proclam emergency proclamation. So uh, whether it's even allowed and to what extent, uh, that's kind of a legal counsel question, but there's ex also technology issues about if the uh, city council chambers can uh, readily adapt to uh, hybrid meetings because it, as the person who does this, it's really hard um, when you're having a meeting and you're having to manage the technology of the meeting and the Zoom piece, um, oh boy, oh boy, it's difficult and a lot of things can go wrong. So, you know, I, I understand why people like those, but as a person who's had to handle it at the worker's end, it's really hard and very difficult and staffing issues become problematic. And um, as somebody who's very sympathetic to med medical issues, people can still mask up. 
you know, so let's not forget that people still have that option if they have, if they're immunocompromised, because that's their true defense uh, being messed up. That's a good point, Mike, um, about the open meetings. I think that might, like a hybrid might be necessary or, you know, like at a minimum hybrid, um, but I'm gonna have to consult with my colleagues before I <laughs> give you an opinion on on what exactly we can do if if we even know at this point. So. In the latest governor's proclamation, I think it was section 65 or 67 dealing with electronic meetings. So you don't have to sort through all that if you look at that. So, well, I'm and, coming and, up on being on the board for a year and I've never seen any of you in person. So it would be nice <laughs> to meet in person, except maybe January and February. <laughs> you know, you do get used to the convenience of, you know. I'm I'm 30 pounds lighter in person, Dr. Hayat. <laughs> I am too. And have you received the feedback you need? Yeah, I have. And um, in addition to checking with Sarah on the legal question, I, I will check with IT on hybrid capabilities. Thank you. I, I know uh, that the council is going to start meeting at the senior center. I think that's because of their technological capabilities um, and space issues. So if we do get back together, it would likely be in that location um, because our meetings tend to draw larger groups. Yeah, it went well for Des Moines this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cross our fingers to avoid that. Oh boy. Okay, so item number six, consideration of meeting minutes from May 6th. Does anybody have any major corrections or additions they'd like to point out from those minutes? Yes, I think um, the first item under recommendations to city council, it says by a vote of six to zero with Martin dissenting. Um, which probably should be 6-1, I'm guessing. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Good catch. I didn't, didn't even notice that. Any other items? If not, could we have a motion for approval? Move to approve. Motion Elliot, second? Nolte. Second Nolte. Discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, motion is approved unanimously. Number seven, planning and zoning information. Anne. Well, I, I do have uh, one update that I wanted to mention, but be before we go into that, I wanted to um, take a moment to recognize Maggie, uh, since this will be her her last meeting. And hey, Maggie. So thank you for your service on the commission, Maggie. Um, and also thank you for attending the ISU extension training earlier in the year. Um, and, you know, taking some time out of your schedule to learn more about planning and zoning. Um, so thank you again for your service. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been an honor. And I feel like I've learned so much from all of you. Every time anybody asked a question, I would think, oh gosh, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> so I, um, I 
just have so much respect for what for what you're doing. It's a lot of time and effort, and you can tell that people um, really care. And I I go away off feeling a lot better about um, the community. So it's been an honor. It's got to seem pretty weird having come and gone and never actually been in person with us on any of these meetings. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Maggie, very much. I appreciate it very much. Anne, anything additional? Um, one other thing. Today, we released our revised draft of the South District Form-Based Code. I know that, I think most of you know that this has been something that we've been working on for quite a while. Um, and we've spent the last several months revising the draft based on stakeholder comments and revising it to make sure that it works within our existing kind of uh, planning and zoning framework. Um, so we released the draft and at your next meeting, actually, we, we plan to do two kind of informational meetings for the commission because it's a lot of content and there's a lot of information that we want to go over with you. So on July 1st and then on July 15th, we hope to have kind of um, part one introduction to the form-based code and then part two introduction to the form-based code um, before you guys make any recommendations to, to council. All right, very good. Thank you, Anne. Uh, anybody else have anything of general interest regarding finance zoning for the share with the commission? Um, I will be gone on uh, July 15th. July 15? Yeah, I'll be up in uh, the middle of nowhere in Bighorn National Forest, so I will not be able to join electronically. But in August, I will be gone the 5th and the 19th, but I will be able to be electronic. All right, so for the minutes, if they can reflect that on July 15th, uh, Evie Martin will be absent, and then on August 5 and 19, she'll participate electronically. If allowed. If, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Phoebe. Anything else couple, from anybody? I have a couple, uh, a, a couple things. I wasn't right, able to stay on. I wasn't able to stay on the uh, watch the council meeting Tuesday after our session with them. Uh, did, where did they go, if any place, with, uh, with the rezoning of that property? The, the first reading of the rezoning ordinance passed by vote is six to one. Okay. And then um, secondly, this is just a personal thing. I like to, I'm one of those nosy neighbors who likes to know what's going on. I drive by a, a, I drive by a house on the corner of uh, Kirkwood and Keokuk, I think it's Keokuk, every day. And there's a, there's a sign up that's been up for quite some time about a vacation. Um, and I, is, that our, is that us or is that some other community? It's it's you guys. Just has oh. an alley vacation. An alley vacation. Asked me about it, and I and I guessed it was an alley, and I said I don't know. We haven't seen it if it's coming to us, but I assume it's an alley because there's an alley right there. Yeah. We're still working out some information with the applicant, but that will probably be on your agenda soon. We'll see. Okay. And I should state right now that I will not be able to comment on that one. Maybe we could put it on the agenda, um, the meeting you're going to be gone, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually, while, while we were talking, I looked up the answer to the second one, because there's a, there's a special exception notice over by Sycamore Mall, and I see they're wanting to put in a drive-through teller. 
which I support because there's none of that part of town. And then, um, Anne, on the uh, consultation the commission had with the council the other day, I found that a uh, good conversation and I thought it was helpful. If there's anything we can do to make that um, more informative or helpful or beneficial to the, to the council, and if you hear any feedback, if you'd let us know, please. Sure. Um, if there are no more comments, uh, motion for adjournment. So moved. Motion by signs. Is there a second? Maggie. Oh, okay. Oh, Maggie. Maggie should do it. Maggie, get in there. You do it. Uh, move to adjourn. All right. So a, a <laughs> second by Elliot. So motion by signs, second by Elliot for adjournment. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed signify by saying nay. Hearing no nays, motion's unanimous, and we are adjourned. And thank you, Maggie. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, everybody. Bye. 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 Take care. Bye.